0: that happened fast. Well, I got some good news and I got some bad news. But before we get to the good news and the bad news, how many of you use the speech to text on your cell phone? Yeah? How many of you refuse to use the speech to text on your cell phone? You've tried it and you refuse to ever use that again? No, nobody that gave up on it? One or two? Okay. How many of you that do use it, how many of you will look at what it types out based on what you said, and you just kind of go, eh, close enough, and you send the text? <laughs> right, now, some of you need to raise your hand because you have, you have sent those texts to me. <laughs> yeah, I know some people who do that... Uh, Not that I'm looking at anybody in particular. Uh, How many of you, you'll use the speech-to-text, but then you go back through and you edit all of the grammar and you put in the commas and and everything else? Anybody else like me that you're, you know, it's a complete waste of a service because you spend more time editing it than just typing it out in the first place? Yeah, that's me. I do use the speech-to-text, and then I'll go back through because I can't, I do not like sending a text with bad grammar or like a misspelled word. If it uses like the wrong your i got to go back through, and i got to change it. I find it difficult to send a message that doesn't say exactly what I want it to say. Actually, I did send one this week, and somebody was confused because I didn't put a comma in it. Uh, and it, they it legitimately were confused by what I said, and I realized, ah, there's that speech-to-text problem again. Speech-to-text can be pretty inaccurate at times, if you're, especially if you're talking fast, which, as I've noticed doesn't bother some people. Uh, this is an actual text conversation I had with somebody. I won't say any names, and I blanked out who it is, but uh, it starts with, hey, this is, this is, now, if you don't know, I used to work in cell phones, uh, so I sold this person a cell phone, and I said, hey, this is how you send a picture of my beautiful wife and myself, and the response was, hello, Bruce, how you doing It all, reading the ass- assignment, overheating, you want it, you want to speak slow, slow in robotics and robotics and robots. <laughs> Wear the steak beef. That one I can interpret. I understand that. I have no idea what was said before. So I just, you know, my response is this is what I was afraid of. You plus a smartphone equals catastrophe. <laughs> it was this individual's first self or smartphone, uh, and it's not gotten any better. Let me tell you. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but it's not gotten any better. It wasn't Jackie. Yeah, it wasn't Jackie. I did sell her her first smartphone, but that's, it's not her. Uh, not going to say if that person's related to her or not. Uh, some people just don't really care when they send a message. However, some of us, uh, those of you that do text, any of you that text that, like, you don't use a speech to text, but you do have to make sure the grammar's correct and, like, you use the proper your and you know, two you can't use the T-O-O when it's not T-O. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm very particular. I've always kind of been that way with grammar and spelling and everything like that. Some of you will never use the speech to text because it's just not accurate enough. You say something and it types out something completely different, uh, so you won't use it. I don't know about you, but I'm really thankful that God doesn't view us that way because we're his messengers and we don't get it right very often. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead to come back to God. Have you ever wrestled with that thought? You speak for God. Like, you can't help it. You speak for God. If uh, if you've got one of these, those fancy, nice shirts, those Dubois Alliance shirts, uh, whenever you wear that, who do you represent? Dubois Alliance Church. So if you were cursing somebody out at the grocery store wearing that shirt, do you think? what do you think they're going to think? Well, I don't know if I want to go to that church. Because you represent the church when you wear that, when you go about, when you're around. Everywhere you go, you represent Christ. Whether you want to or not, every word you speak represents Christ. You are his ambassador. What you do, uh, what you do when no one's watching, what you do at home, what you do at work, the way you treat people here, the way you treat people there, that's all speaking for Christ. Now, if we're honest, we probably have to look at it and go, man, I didn't do a very good job of representing Christ in that scenario, in that place i don't know that i did uh, a good job i got the speech to text a little garbled up there see we're, we're kind of god's speech to text he speaks and we're supposed to live it out and that's our job that's who we are as believers and we get it a little bit messed up sometimes god says in matthew 23 27 and 28 what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law And you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. That's what God says. What do we say? It is shameful to not be dressed in your best clothes on Sunday. Jesus literally says stop worrying so much about what's on the outside and we say it's really important what's on the outside we get it a little bit messed up God says in Matthew chapter 9 verse 10 to 13 later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners but when the Pharisees saw this they asked his disciples why does your teacher eat with such scum when Jesus heard this he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. That's what God says. What do we say? Well, you need to get your act together before you come to our church, because you're going to make us look bad if you're smoking in our Parking lot, or you're cursing people out with our with our Do Boys Alliance shirt on. We don't like that. God says Matthew six thirty in uh, Matthew six thirty three, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. That's what God says. We say, oh, I can't tide this month, or I have to skip church because my needs come first. God can have the leftover. God says. In, in Mark eleven twenty five. 25. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. That's what God says. We say, but you don't understand what so and so did. You don't understand how much they hurt me. It's unforgivable. See how we kind of get this speech to text thing a little messed up. God's word's pretty clear on a lot of things, and we have changed it over time. It's, it's surprising you, you might not know you, you might know or might not know. I didn't grow up as a Christian, so uh, when I did become a Christian, I'm a very logical person. That's how my life is. I just I, I view things uh, pretty black and white, sometimes uh, in the in a bad way. But I started to, to see the way uh, the church was acting, and I was reading the scriptures, and it just didn't add up. Now I didn't have the church culture; like, I didn't. I was never told this is just how you do it. So as I looked at some of the practices versus what some of God's word said, I, it seemed like, man, I don't know where are we getting some of this stuff. It doesn't seem to add up in Scripture. See, God spoke, and like speech to text, what came out was not really close to what was spoken in the first place. That's the bad news. Bad news? We're, we've been sent to be messengers, and we stink at it. We get it wrong a lot. We are less faithful than the speech and text on our cell phones. That's the bad news, but here's the good news. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10 Says, each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, there's this crazy. about Christianity, I mean, imagine you're, you are running an interview for a business that you work in and someone sits in front of you in the interview and they just totally bomb it. I mean, they get every question wrong. They mess it all up. Uh, You ask them, you know, how faithful do you think you're going to be to this work? And, and, you know, I don't know. I'm here as long as I have to be. And and whenever I find something better, I'm I'm moving on. Hey, they just mess everything up. And then you as the interviewer think, oh, you are perfect for this job. You'd think that person was crazy. You'd think yourself was crazy if if you were in that interview uh, and and you saw that. And yet God looks at us and says, you're terrible at this. And that's what makes you perfect for it. Because now you're going to have to lean on me. Now, if you are somebody who has ever led somebody in something, uh, you know. Uh, some of you might know. I like. Uh, I really like martial arts. And one of the the truths about martial arts is when sh- someone shows up and says, uh, "Oh yeah, I've taken so many years of martial arts," so uh, they think that's a benefit. But if you've ever tried to teach somebody something, you know it's better they know nothing and you get to teach them first, and they try to reteach something. So it's almost better that they don't know anything. And so maybe as, a, as somebody who's, who's worked with other people you know, it's actually better when they don't know anything because I get to teach them how to do it right the first time. I don't have to get them to unlearn certain things. But God looks at us, and we have our ways of doing things. And for some of us, uh, some of you, you've been in church far longer than I've been alive. And so you've learned how to do things a certain way. You've been taught it's this way. I know I've talked with some of you, and uh, you know, if you were driving home from church on a Sunday and you saw uh, somebody out mowing their grass from the church, you would think judgmentally of them. Now, the Bible doesn't say anything about that, but we do that. We, we've done things like that. We've, we have uh, thought at, in the past, you know, well, you have to dress this way, you have to look this way, you have to act this way to be a Christian, and it's just not true. None of that stuff is true. We've taken the gospel to people. Some of us have invited others to church and we kind of gave up on people because they kept saying no, they don't want to go to church. They don't want to go to church. And so in our minds, we interpreted that they just don't want Jesus. They're not hungry. Even though church is not Jesus, maybe they've been hurt by the church. Maybe they just don't want to go. And instead of being the messengers, we have this wrong idea that the pastor is the only messenger. And our job is to get them to the messenger so they can hear the gospel. They, I need to get them to church so they can hear the gospel. Now, for those of you that have been around a little while, uh, how many altar calls have I done? Not, not many. And there's a reason for that because we are the messengers. And for too long, the church got it confused that the pastor is the only messenger. And our great Christian duty is to get people to the, the messenger. Uh, now I'm, I'm forgetting the person. I don't think it was Charles Spurgeon. Um, but there's a, somebody who's a pretty significant in the church. I'm totally blanking on the name. Sorry about that. Uh, but he said, uh, now I forgot the quote. Man. My brain is not working this morning. I was trying to think of the name so hard, I forgot the rest of the quote, so I'm not even going to bother with it. Uh, oh, that's what it was. That we as the church ha- have been under a delusion that ministry is only done by professionals. That's the delusion the enemy has us under. God has called us all to this amazing work of taking good news to those in bad news. And the enemy convinces us that's the job of professionals. That's who does ministry. It's just not true. See, there's a lot of bad news in our world right now. And God has sent each and every one of us to be the messengers of the good news to the bad news. I I promise you, we can sit down and I'll interview you to be a messenger and there's nothing you can say that disqualifies you. That's the beautiful thing about God. Nothing you say, well, I'm terrible at it. Well, I sin a lot. Well, I mess things up. I don't speak very well. Think about Aaron and and Moses, that whole situation. Think about what happens when when Moses says to God, "I, I can't do this. I don't speak very well. What does God end up saying? No, you can do it, Moses. You got it, brother. You're a really good speaker. Is that what God says? No. What does God say? I am. He reminds Moses, it has nothing to do with you. You just got to show up i'm what's important i am the thing that they need to hear and see that's what's the most important aspect of this of you going of you being there he doesn't build moses up he doesn't try to puff him up and tell him oh you're great you're really good at this you just don't know the hidden gifts that you have he says i am who i am that's all he needed that should have been enough for moses to just say you know what you're right i'll go and you're, you're going to have to just show up. And imagine if we took that attitude into our lives. If we stopped trying to think about yeah, the, the, just the right way to convince our coworkers and our neighbors and uh, we just to have, to have just the right de- defense for the people in our lives, and we just said, you know what? I'm just going to show up because I am goes with me. I am will speak through me. And we lean into the Holy Spirit. We trust that He's going to do something great. It's our weakness that makes us the perfect messengers. It's awesome because it doesn't make any sense unless there is a God and he lives inside of us. It wouldn't make any sense that our inability is what makes us perfect for the job. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Now that's some good news. I don't know about you, but when I find out that I'm supposed to do a job that I absolutely cannot do and then I find out it has nothing to do with me and it's all gonna be done by somebody else and I get all the credit for the most part, because honestly, what, you know, when you lead somebody to Christ, they thank you and, and you look like a superstar, unless you're able to point the glory to God, which hopefully you're able to do. But he's going to do all the work. All we have to do is show up. All we have to do is be available. That's some good news, which we need, because there's a lot of bad news out there. There's bad news that we live in a dark world where many people still live in spiritual darkness. Romans 3.23, very clearly. For everyone, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. That means everyone. That means absolutely everyone. That's the bad news. What's the good news? We get to bring light to people's darkness. We have this awesome responsibility, and privilege to take light to people's darkness. Mark sixteen fifteen, And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. That's our job. That's the great commission, is to take good news to people's bad news. That's the good news that we get. But there's still more bad news. See, we're deeply flawed and unable to accomplish this on our own. Romans seven fifteen, I don't really understand myself. For a i for what i for i want to do what is right but i don't do it instead i do what i hate and if you live this christian life long enough this verse makes a lot of sense it's like i want to do what is right and i find myself doing what is wrong we're deeply flawed that's the bad news but there's good news we're not supposed to do this on our own strength but on god's acts 1 8 but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in jerusalem throughout judea in samaria and to the ends of the earth in galatians 5:25 since we are living by the spirit let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives we just got to follow him That's what it's about. It's not about having the best offense. It's not about being really eloquent. It's not about being really witty. It's not about having the best theology or the right training or having some title in front of your name, elder, deaconess, leader, uh, evangelist. We get too caught up in titles and professionalism. We realize each and every one of us, from the smartest to the least smart, from the educated to the least educated, from the capable to the least capable, we're all called. To be messengers for him. We each have that. That's the good news. There's still more bad news. This means denying ourselves, and this is going to be a constant battle. Luke 9:23. Then he said to the crowd: If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. We need to die to ourselves. This isn't easy. It seems like, oh yeah, God's going to do all the work. This is a piece of cake. Man, getting out of the way, that's tough. Getting, making sure that we're available for God to use, that, that we don't try to interject our baggage into what God wants to do. That's actually a lot of work, but there's good news. This is where we find true joy and fulfillment in life. John 10.10, 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. See, I'll always remember uh, my commencement speech from college, and they talked about uh, the, the author uh, of this book. He wrote a book on happiness. And he just went through all these statistics on like uh, the fact that America spends more money on pleasure and entertainment and happiness than any other country in the entire world, we spend so much and yet we have the highest rate of people on antidepressants and that that are depressed and have all these uh, problems that, that we 're not happy and yet we spend the most on it there 's this reality that happiness doesn 't come from giving stuff to ourselves and doing things for us and focusing on ourselves happiness. Uh, always comes from looking outward and helping others. Uh, those of you that were part of our thankful for friends, who was more blessed, you or the kids? Yeah. Most children's workers say, oh, we were. It's such a blessing. Like uh, My wife and I talk about this, how it's so different now. Like I don't know if you've ever been to Knoebels. We love to go to Knoebels. Uh And we take the kids to Kenobles. I don't even want to ride a ride. Like, there's just so much joy in watching my son ride a ride and, like, just have a blast. And, like, that's what makes me come alive. I have more fun doing that than I ever did riding rides myself. That's where happiness comes from. And so, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough denying yourself, denying your kingdom, laying down what you want, your plans, your uh, everything, and looking to God. But that's where this rich and satisfying life comes from. When we live this way, we find this is where true fulfillment comes from. When we actually live for God and His purposes. So, how do we accomplish what God has called us to in this deeply flawed state? It's, it's one thing to say, yeah, we just need to deny ourselves and we need to lean into the Holy Spirit and He's going to do all the work, but what does that actually look like? Again, Mark sixteen fifteen says, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. How do we do this without messing it all up? You don't need to raise your hands, but any of you ever tried to tell somebody the gospel and you felt like, man, I totally blew it. That was terrible. I know I have. And I bet that kid that told me about Jesus walked away feeling that way. Because he, honestly, he didn't do a very good job. But it was exactly what I needed. I needed Christ in him. I saw the the realness of the relationship he had with Jesus. And that was enough. All he did was show up. And God did everything. And that's such a beautiful thing. It doesn't even mean that when that happens, like he might have walked away and felt like, well, that was a train wreck. Guess that guy's not going to heaven. And here I am, a pastor now. And he has no idea. I don't even know who he was can't meet him one day in heaven though and let him know what he did and so often you might have those conversations and you walk away thinking well i blew that one and you don't know because each and every one of us the bible says there's a river of living water flowing out from each and every one of us and that doesn't even require much work you just got to show up and be available and ready to speak what God puts on your heart. Share your story. Man, you don't know the power your story has. That's what led me to the kingdom, was this kid's story. Not his theology, not his evangelism techniques, not the Roman's road. None of that mattered. What mattered was his story, and you each have a story. So how do we do all this without messing it up? my argument will be that the absolute most important dynamic here is Holy Spirit dependency. If you can lean into that, nothing is outside of of the realm of possibility for you. Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've talked about this briefly before, but there's a very similar trait to both of these things. That's why uh, Paul uses them to juxtapose each other. Uh, When you're drunk, your tendency, some of you know this because you've had this in your life. Uh, When you're drunk, you act a certain way. Your inhibitions are gone. You tend to be louder. You tend to be more uh, outgoing. You tend to be a a, a bit more open with what you're going to say. When you're and, and, and when you're drunk, you're controlled by the alcohol. And the Bible's saying, don't do that. That's going to ruin your life. Because most of us would act, act like fools. And some of you have. You have that in your past. But he says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, you don't exactly act like yourself. You tend to be a lot more outgoing. You're willing to tell people about Jesus. You're willing to do things you never would have done probably before. And things happen when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. See, both of these are a controlling thing. And in the middle of that is us. We might say, well, I'm not going to be drunk with wine, and I don't want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll just take care of myself. I'll control myself. Notice that option's not here. That's not one of the options that that Paul gives. It's either don't be led and, and controlled by alcohol, but instead be controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's the only other option. But what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? See, we we covered this in our Abide series, if you remember. Uh, If you want more information and you didn't catch that one, go back to Abide and uh, look at the Fruitful Branches um, uh, episode of, of Abide. Uh, that's where we talked a lot about the, the work of the Holy Spirit and what it means to be filled because when we become Christians, we are indwelled with the Spirit. It, this, the Holy Spirit comes in and He makes His home inside of us, and that's the indwelling. But that doesn't mean we're full just because the Holy Spirit is in us. And the Bible many, uh, oftentimes talks about a filling, a, a separate work that is not permanent um, but is uh, situational at times. That's what being filled with the Spirit is. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment, surrendering of control to the Holy Spirit. That's what being filled is. It's not a a one-time event either. The indwelling is a one-time event. You get saved once. Some of you, as teenagers, maybe you got saved like 15 times. Uh, You think you got saved like 15 times. But you only get saved once. You only need one time of surrendering your life to Christ and He and, and the Holy Spirit coming in and indwelling us. We need to be constantly filled, the Bible tells us, by the Holy Spirit. That's what this verse is all about. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to be filled frequently and constantly for two reasons. One, we leak. We're not good containers for the Holy Spirit because we're flawed. We're uh, we don't have perf- you know perfection as part of us. We we have the Holy Spirit in us, and we are bound for eternity now. But the body we live in is not eternal, and so it doesn't hold the Holy Spirit very well. There will be a day where we step into eternity, and we no longer leak anymore because we'll have a perfect body. But we do we leak, and as we, and number two, the second reason is as we leak, we generally fill that void with more of ourselves. We get full of ourselves. I don't know if you've ever been used by God. And the reason I brought Donna up this morning is uh, I know that this won't happen. But sometimes when the Holy Spirit uses us and we're no longer being filled with the Spirit, we get really full of ourselves. And we start patting ourselves on the back and say, man, I'm really good at this. Man, I'm a really good Christian. Look at me. I'm, I'm way better than this person over here. They're barely being used by God. Look how great I am happens to so many pastors. I see it happen pretty often. It's one of the great concerns of my life is that I would finish well where so many haven't finished well. They were used by the Spirit and then got very full of themselves. Whether we're completely full every moment of our life, which we probably won't be, we are to be led by the Holy Spirit as well. Romans 8 9 says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature, you are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So this is pretty cut and dry. You might be sitting there saying, ah, I know I'm a Christian, but I don't know about this whole Holy Spirit thing inside of me deal. I, I don't agree with that. Well, here's the Word of God right here. If you're a believer, if you are bound for heaven, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. Uh, that might sound a little creepy to some of you. You might not know what that exactly means, but it's a beautiful thing. It's why we're called temples of the Holy Spirit. We are where, literally, God dwells on earth. You know, we have the, uh, the Lord's model of prayer. And it says, on earth as it is in heaven. Literally, bring heaven down to earth. Well, guess what? He did. It's inside of you. You are God's bringing heaven to earth. And then he sends us out. And he says, take that heaven all over this earth and share this heaven with everybody. Share this light with everyone you come into contact with. Let the world know there's freedom in the name of Jesus. If you're not completely confident that you have the spirit of the living God inside of you this morning, that's some bad news that's something that should concern you. If you don't feel led by the Holy Spirit, if you don't feel compelled to follow God, if you don't feel this this innate drive to obey Him, to learn more about Him, to know Him more, that should worry you. That's some bad news. Staying in Romans though, we actually find the good news to that bad news. Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. How beautiful is that? It's so simple. It's so easy to follow God. If you find yourself this morning wondering, I I don't think this is me. It's literally this this easy. doesn't require any money. You don't have to pay your way in. You don't have to obey your way in. doesn't matter how messed up you are right now. doesn't matter how messed up you'll be tomorrow. And it, this is the only thing that matters, is that by believing in our heart, confessing with our mouth. That's what this Christian life is all about. And then we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and then everything changes. Then we can be led by the Spirit when we have that. Romans eight fourteen says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. See, the Holy Spirit should lead us. So often we were, maybe, uh, I know, uh, Dubois Alliance was very, very conservative for a long time, and uh, so I don't know the teaching that came before me, but uh, I know some of us were raised with this idea that the Holy Spirit is more of this like emotion, like you kind of feel it, but He doesn't speak to us. There's no audible voice. Well, that would be weird if there's an audible voice. We went through this in our Abide series, how many of the Scriptures talk about the role of the Holy Spirit as a speaking role, that He should speak to us. and we, That's how He leads us, as we follow Him. He speaks to us. He, he guides us in these ways. Once we're being led by the Spirit, we'll have the opportunity to be his messengers, because he's going to take us to places where the light is needed. I know you've heard me say this before, but it just always blew my mind when I would hear God's people pat themselves on the back for never going to dark places. That just blew my mind. What What do you mean? You're a bearer of light. Why would you just hang out with all the other lights? Why wouldn't you take that good news to the bad news? That doesn't make any sense to me you pat yourself on the back for not doing the very thing that God called us to do. To take the light to the darkness. Romans 8.26. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. He even helps us pray. How awesome is this? So even as we might be sitting here this morning and saying, man, this seems like a lot of work and I don't really know what to do and I really, uh, this is, I know, I feel like I should do something with this and I don't know what to do. The Holy Spirit even helps you pray. That's what's awesome. To say like, have you ever prayed that prayer? Holy Spirit, I want something, I don't know what it is, I'm feeling something and I'm not sure what's there. Will you help me pray? And he'll do it. It's awesome. It's a beautiful thing. But Be ready. <laughs> Because he might do something crazy in your life. He might lead you somewhere you don't want to go. He might lead you into a conversation you might not want to have. But that's the job to be available, to be ready, to be willing, to be used, to be led by the Spirit. God literally has it all covered. He's simply looking for people that are willing to say, Here I am, send me, I'll go. Whatever you want, Lord, I'm here. That's the good news. I think about this. Can you imagine how much the early church probably messed this up really bad? I mean, if you read just the book of Acts and you read some of the fights they had and all the stuff that went on, I think it's pretty clear they messed this up a lot. I mean, we can look at it and say, oh, well, God added to their numbers like 3,000 in one day and 5,000 over here and, and there were people coming to know Jesus every day, which is awesome, but you know they messed this up a lot. I mean, there was a whole group of them that were teaching people to be saved, you need to believe in Jesus, and you need to be circumcised. I mean, that went on for a while. They got this thing really messed up. They kept adding to the gospel. They kept adding their own personal preferences to the gospel, just like we have done. Most of us are probably guilty of this. We've added onto it our political beliefs, or we've added onto it our cultural preferences. We've added onto it our generational preferences, and we've said, yeah, in order to follow Jesus right, you need to do it this way. You need to be this. You need to look this way. And this early church, man, they messed it up a lot too. Yet it can be said of them, Acts 13, 52, and the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but if there's one thing I would love to hear somebody say about Dubois Alliance Church, and they're filled with joy, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, because that'll change everything. I really don't care if people think we have the best preaching. I really don't care if they think our music's the best. I really don't care if they think our children's ministries are the best or our youth ministries are the best, or our clothes closet is the best, or the Hungry Heroes ministry is the best. I really don't care about any of that as much as I care that people would look into what's happening in this place and through our people and say they're filled with joy and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's a group of people where joy and Holy Spirit living is just plentiful. Can the same be said of us? But I guess we have to start with this question. Can the same be said of you? Would those that know you who are not believers say, there's something going on there. They're full of joy. And they probably wouldn't say they're full of the Holy Spirit because they don't know that language. But I hope your believing friends would look at you and say, and they're full of joy, and they're full of the Holy Spirit. I've actually, uh, some people have, I've heard them almost say it as like an annoying thing, like, oh my gosh, they're like full of the Holy Spirit. They're always wanting to, to you know, follow God and, and do these you know, radical things for the Holy Spirit. That's awesome! Maybe that might motivate that person to finally get you know, a fire under their butt and start listening to the Holy Spirit. But another question, when was the last time you can say, I was full of joy? Not like I had a joyful moment, but I was full of of joy. Because I don't know about you, but I remember when I came to know Jesus. And I'll tell you that first month, I was full of joy. This joy of realizing I was going to hell, and now I'm going to heaven. Now I've got this joy of eternal life inside of me. Man, I was full of joy. My life was still a train wreck, everything was still wrong in my life. But man, I was full of joy. We need to get back there, church. We need to get back to that place where we are full of joy. Some of you live this way. Even when things aren't going really great, you're full of joy. Also, on the flip side, when were you full? When was the last time you were full of the Holy Spirit? Now, this doesn't mean that you're like running up and down the aisle speaking in some strange language. That's not what being filled with the Holy Spirit looks like all the time. Being filled with the Holy Spirit just might mean having this incredible compassion for a situation or, or just following what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. It doesn't always look this radical and, and this charismatic stuff that we sometimes can think it looks like. When were you full of joy? And when were you full of the Holy Spirit? We're called to be His messengers as we close. We're called to be His messengers, Mark 16, 15. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. That's good news. We get this awesome privilege. But we're deeply flawed and are bound to mess it up, Romans 7, 15. I don't really understand myself where I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Many of us, we go to work every week. We, We interact with our neighbors. We interact with our family. We're like, I know I should tell them about Jesus, and I keep messing it up. I keep not doing it. I keep talking about politics, or I keep talking about sports, or I talk about everything other than Jesus, and I keep messing this up. But God will use us anyhow, and always provides the means to fulfill our mission. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Okay, so we talked about this. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. And this is saying if you have the Holy Spirit, you have Power, you have access to this power, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You have this power this morning. You might not know anything about it. You might not know how to access that power, but you have it if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and it will require complete dependence on this Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. What does this mean? Yeah, this means you need to follow the Holy Spirit's leading at work and at home and at the gym and in the grocery store and everywhere you go, in every part of your life, not just on Sunday mornings. This is not the Christian life. Honestly, Sunday mornings, this is an escape from real life. Real life is when we leave these doors and we go back on mission. We go back out to where we should be. I heard a pretty awesome quote that you're going to hear a lot more in one of the messages of this series. He said, the problem isn't that we can't get all the people out there in here. The problem is that we can't get the people in here out there. That hit home for me. Because that is the problem. The issue isn't getting more people in here. You've heard me tell before, stop inviting people to church. And I mean it. That becomes a a, a stumbling block for so many people because it becomes very clear to them that you have an agenda. That your agenda is to get them here that they would say yes to whatever I'm saying. That somehow I'm the only messenger that can take this good news. And people pick up on that. They don't want any of that anymore. You've probably noticed that (laughs) as you've invited people to church, and they keep saying, oh, maybe one day. Stop. Invite them into your home. Start to love on them in their spaces. I've talked about this as well. What do you love to do? Find somewhere that's already doing one of the things that you love to do and enter that space. Engage with people there, and you'll find, hey, not only have I found people who, who don't know Jesus, but we share something already because they love to knit or they love coffee or they love their kids. And I joined the PTA. I joined something to be around other people. What do you love to do? Find a space where people are already doing it. Or if there's something that you love to do and there's no space for that yet, create one. Create a space and invite people into that space. It's really simple. It's really not rocket science. It doesn't require a Bible degree. You don't have to be a Christian professional to do it. You just say, hey, there's not a group for this. Some of you in our church have already done that. You said, i really like to do this, and there's really not something for, for that group of people in this town, so I'm just going to invite people. I'm going to do it myself, and I'm going to invite people to it. What an awesome thing. And then you begin to rub shoulders with people, and then you get to talk to them and ask them about their life and, and ask them, hey, you know, I, I know that you don't, we don't believe the same, but can I pray for you about that? I mean, that seems like a big deal. It's really this simple. That's what being a messenger is all about. Everybody has bad news, and everybody needs the good news that you have. There is is specific bad news here in Dubois. It's one of the reasons I believe strongly God sent me here, because I am the good news to a lot of people's bad news. I am a, a clear example that somebody can go from a pretty messed up family with drugs and alcohol and all of this stuff, and God can use them. It's literal good news to the literal bad news in our town. I grew up like many of the people in this town did. And I can say, God can use you. God can do cool things in your life. You don't have to be special. You don't have to be educated. You don't have to have a great lineage. I was the first person to go to college in my family. You don't have to have that. God can do amazing things. People need to hear this. There is specific bad news, and God has sent you to take specific good news to that bad news. So, what does that mean for your life this week? The fact that you are the messenger. You look around your workplace maybe this week, look around your neighborhood, and wonder how dark is this place? And then also be hit with the reality you have been sent to be the remedy. God sent you to take his light to that darkness. How dark is your workplace? As dark as you've let it be, because he sent you there. You are the light he sent to that darkness. What will you do this week, which is going to matter for all eternity? How much of this week will be spent on your kingdom, and how much of this week will be spent on his kingdom? Who is God sending you to? Because I promise you, if you begin to pray today and say, Lord, send somebody who needs the good news into my path this week, he will do exactly that. Because there is a lot of bad news in our town. There are a lot of people who are still stuck in their darkness. God will not struggle to find somebody to put in your path. Whether it's in the grocery store, whether it's just walking around, whether it's at your workplace or your neighbor, you'll find yourself oddly having a conversation with somebody you've never had before. And God will remind you, hey, remember that bad news, good news thing? Here's your moment. Just be available. Ask questions. Ask if you can pray with us. That's one of the cool things that's so easy. Ask somebody about themselves. And don't ask them about yourself so that you can talk about yourself more. But like actually ask them about themselves. And as they begin to talk, wait for the bad news and say, man, that, that sounds rough. I, I don't know where you're at on your faith journey, but can I pray for you about that? Man, I've experienced some people say no, but a lot of people say yes. And what an awesome way to just bless somebody and be the light in that moment. This week, God is going to send somebody in your path if you're willing. doesn't matter how educated you are. Ministry is not done by professionals. You all have way more access to unsaved people than I do. Use that. Let God use you this week. Let's pray. God, I thank you that we get to be used by you. Lord, that you allow us to speak for you. What an awesome privilege to know that when we open our mouths, we speak for the God of all creation. Lord, I pray that speech would be wholesome. I pray that speech would be about you, and it would be edifying, and it would be speech that leads others to the kingdom. Lord, each and every one of us is going to experience somebody this week who is dealing with some kind of bad news. I pray we would be quick to tell them of your good news. Holy Spirit, would you empower each and every one of us to be the good news to people's bad news. Lord, I pray over each person here this morning that this truth could be said of them, that they are full of joy and full of the Holy Spirit. Whatever that requires in their life, Lord, whatever epiphanies they need to have, Holy Spirit, whatever you need to remove, whatever you need to light on fire and drive out, Lord, I pray you do that over their lives this morning. That we could be a people who are full of joy and full of the Holy Spirit. That there will be Holy Spirit moments this week for some of our people that they've never had before. That'll change their life and change their perspective on what it means to be a messenger of God Almighty. And Lord, I pray others would be led to the kingdom this week because of the faithfulness of our people. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Go be messengers this week. Lead others to the kingdom.